0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, "'Suppose one of you has a friend.' And he goes to him at midnight and says, "'Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, "'because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, "'and I have nothing to set before him.' And the one inside answers, "'Don't bother me. "'The door is already locked, "'and my children are with me in bed. "'I can't get up and give you anything.' I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened." Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So did anybody other than Matt get to see Billy Joel on Friday night <laughs> at Camden Yards? I know. How was the show? Uh, I would say absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I thought about maybe I, I was about ready much to this, I already did that piano and get out of the field. <laughs> That's great. I, I I saw him when I was in high school at the old Cap Center, and uh, I was I was tempted. I will say, in the afternoon on Friday, I noticed that they had uh, put up a, uh, just a few tickets uh, right on the field uh, in front of the stage. I mean, about 30 rows back, and 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 I and then I thought about the conversation with my wife, where I said I just spent $200 on a ticket for me to go see a show. And, uh, and then the subsequent conversation where I try to call one of you and see if your couch was open, <laughs> and I, I decided against it, but, uh, but I, I, I have had going through my head uh, one of his songs, a pretty obscure one, called Summer Highland Falls. You remember that one? It starts off, they say that these are not the best of times, but they're the only times I've ever known. Um, And I reflected on that as I thought about some of the responses that I got to to my sermon last week. Um, Let me assure you that this is not the kind of pulpit where you will hear a weekly running commentary on the political events of the week, Um, and uh, I I don't know that I entirely succeeded in what I was trying to do last week, which was to point out that uh, folks on both the left and the right... Uh, can, when they want to, do a really lousy and abusive job of quoting Scripture to support their various political positions. Uh, I am more than happy to have any conversation that anybody wants to have. If you want to know about my political views or uh, even uh, how I voted, I think I can remember everything all the way back to when I first was able to do that. Uh, I'm happy to have that conversation privately, uh, but that's not what I'm going to be doing here. I'd rather talk about Jesus, and uh, that's why I was so pleased by yesterday. I want to uh, thank everybody who ensured that we were able to celebrate the work of Jesus Christ and the life of our dear sister Marge Burr yesterday. I was so, I gotta say, I was really impressed. With uh, how WOSA put on the the reception afterward, it, it 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 reminded me of like one of the Harry Potter movies, you know, where you walk into the tent and it's this huge space. I don't know how you fit fit all those people eating in in the old church upstairs, but uh, it, everybody was warm and well, actually cool and well-fed, which is what you want in July in Maryland. It was uh, it was uh, uh, just wonderful, and and the the hymns. And the readings that, uh, that Ron and, and Marge's family chose uh, place the focus of our time on the work of Christ in Marge's life. See, the problem with funerals is this. It's very easy, for one thing, for just for people to lie. I mean, you know, somebody dies and you don't want to get up and say, boy, this guy was really miserable and frankly we're all better off for the fact that he's not around. Uh, But it's also hard when you have somebody like Marge who was so wonderful, because in both cases, the temptation is always to fall into Pelagianism. Anybody know what Pelagianism is? Uh, I know uh, Mark uh, not only uh, plays guitar and leads worship well, which he certainly did yesterday, but he studied theology. Pelagius was one of the great heretics, not great in the sense that he was terrific, great in the sense that he was important. And Pelagius had the idea that what we are given by God is basically the help we need after we do our part. It's sort of a God-helps-those-who-help-themselves kind of theology. And when you go to a funeral, oftentimes people will talk about how wonderful the person who died was with the implication that because of that person's wonderfulness, that person has somehow merited the favor of of God and has been received into His presence has quote unquote earned their place in heaven, and there could not be anything farther from the truth. And I think our texts this morning make that abundantly clear. If we look in the Hosea text, and and thank you Kay for stepping up to a text that's got all kinds of really weird and difficult things in it. Um, you know, some people say that that uh, the hardest thing that God asked for Hosea to do was to marry an Eishet Zanunim, that is a a Horish wife. I wonder if the hardest thing wasn't to have him marry somebody named Gomer. I mean, Gomer probably would have been the pronunciation, but can you imagine, you know, like let's put the kids to bed early tonight, Gomer. Hang on while I put on this Barry White album, Gomer. Um, but he did. He he called God called his prophet Hosea to marry an zanunim, a woman who was adulterous, horish, and you're going to take to yourself children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from yahweh and in uh the Old Testament, idolatry and adultery kind of go together adultery is the is the metaphor by which the prophets say what it is like. God when His people commit idolatry, when they go after other gods. He says, it's like you have been unfaithful to me as your husband. And so we read in verse 3 that Hosea married Gomer, daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then a little later on we read in verse 6 that Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter first son was named Jezreel, the daughter, Leruchamah. But there's a very subtle difference in the text. It says in verse 3, Gomer conceived and bore him, bore Hosea, a son. But in verse 6, it simply says that she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. I think the writer is trying to signal that quite possibly Hosea wasn't the baby daddy for Leruchamah. And then moving on to verse 8, she, after she had weaned Chama, she had another son. This is a person that you wouldn't want to be married to. This is a person that has been unfaithful, that has humiliated you. And as we read on in Hosea, if you uh, would like to do that, you, you see just how humiliated Hosea was by her behavior, how she chased after her, her lover's not even recognizing that, in fact, he was the one who had provided all the things that she needed, that she thought that she was getting from her lovers. In fact, in chapter 3, he basically has to buy her back from her pimp. That's the kind of love God has for his people. That's the kind of devotion. That's the kind of faithfulness that God shows to his promises, even as his people are so thoroughly unfaithful. And so in Colossians, I don't think Paul is guilty of hyperbole when he says that we have been buried with Christ in baptism and raised with Him through our faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. Because when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive With Christ. When Paul says you were dead in your sins, he means you were dead in your sins. When he says that you were in the uncircumcision of your flesh, here he's probably speaking directly to Gentiles, but the idea here is nobody has any ability to stand before God and to say, I'm good enough, I've been faithful. There's only one person who can do that. It's in Him, in Jesus, that we were also circumcised in the putting off of the flesh, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. I think this is shorthand for faithfulness to all of the responsibilities of one of God's people to fulfill in His law, in His Torah, None of you, Paul is saying, including myself, Paul would say, is is capable of fulfilling all the righteous requirements of the law. But Jesus, Jesus' own faithfulness, is what counts for all of us. See, what you need when you're dead is not somebody who can spiff you up. I mean, you may be able to be presentable for a little while, What you need when you're dead is an embalmer or, even better, somebody who can raise the dead. Not only does He raise the dead, making us alive with Christ, He forgives us all our sins, having canceled the written code with all of its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. That Torah that God had given through His people to live well ended up being hijacked by sin and ended up being something that was against us. He took that away. He nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he dunked on them, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You imagine the crucified Lord with his stigmata, the holes in his hands and his feet and his side, doing an end zone dance as the defeated powers and authorities shake their heads and go back to the sideline. That's the kind of victory that God has achieved in Christ. And it is only in Christ that this victory is achieved. In our collect this morning, we said, we prayed this all together just 20 minutes ago. We prayed, God, increase and multiply on us your mercy that with You as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. It is by God's rule and guide that we can pass through the things temporal, and it is by God's mercy that we lose not the things eternal. Everybody else had a chance to say stuff about Marge. i got to say, I liked Marge. I'm really disappointed that I only got to know her for six months. She made me feel so welcome here. She made me feel so loved. I loved getting her hugs. She's the only person other than my wife who's rubbed my back and it didn't feel weird. She, I, I mean, I liked her. I saw the impact of her life on this church, on the people around her. But she would be the first person to tell you that the fact that she is right now experiencing what the theologians call the beatific vision, the reason that she is now in the presence of Almighty God gazing with adoration upon His face is not because she was such a wonderful person and it's not because she gave good hugs and it's not because she was kind, and it's not because she was generous, and it's not because she made people laugh, and it's not because eventually she stopped standing on Mark and let him get up out of the water and breathe again. (laughs) The reason that she is in the presence of our loving Father is because of the sacrificial death of His Son, Jesus Christ, whose blood atoned for her sin. Atones tones for the sins of us all. And all of us who like Marge have been buried with him in baptism who have died to sin also have the sure and certain hope of resurrection. We have the sure and certain hope that one day we will again live in glorified bodies with all that is material and all that is spiritual ultimately reconciled and brought together and that between now and then, we will be in the presence of our loving God. It is because God is merciful even to His people when they are unfaithful. Even to lo Ruchama, even to Lo-Ami, even to Jezreel, even to Marlis, and even to Chuck and Flossie, even to Jim and to Terry and to me, and to Marge. My friends, God loves you. God died for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The godly for the ungodly to bring us to God. This is the good news that we celebrate when we come here. This is what we recognize and affirm when we gather together at the table to Partake of His body and blood broken and shed for us. So my friends, will you stand with me as we affirm our faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed.